I started the Herpetological Art Collective mm -hmm. and just a place for other reptile artists to like network and chat with each other. I want them to be able to promote their, you know, their wares or commissions or projects or whatever. And I also wanted it to be a place where new upcoming artists that want to get into it, um, you know, can join and share their work or get feedback or, you know, kind of whatever, whatever you need. So it's basically just like a big group of people that appreciate reptile art, both artists and non-artists alike. Hey friends, and welcome to the Modern Medusa podcast. Welcome back to the Modern Medusa podcast. This is your host, Dominique DeFalco of DeFalco Reptiles. Once again, super excited for today's guest. Um, today's guest is a phenomenal artist. She's an incredible keeper and she's just all around a really awesome woman that I've had the pleasure to get to meet now. And so if you don't know her already, I'm super excited to introduce our guest today, Adeline Robinson of, you know, the incredible art of Adeline Robinson. <laughs> hey, Adeline, how are you? I am good. I'm super excited to finally be here. Good. I'm so happy to have you. I know it's been so crazy with yeah, you know, like shows and scheduling and traveling. And I, I'm just, I'm, I'm super excited. I'm not gonna lie. Yeah. We've, I mean, I think it's hilarious. Like I always try to schedule people and then things get crazy. Cause in life you just can't, you know, it's, it's that old saying, like you want to make God laugh, tell him your plan. It's like, oh, schedule things out. Everything will be great. And then literally everything goes to shit. Ain't that just the way? Yeah. <laughs> well, before we get uh, too into it, you said you've been super busy. You've been traveling. Uh, tell us who you are. What are you traveling for? What do you do? Well, um, it's actually pretty funny when people ask me and I, it, it still like almost makes me laugh when people ask what I do. I'm like, well, I'm a reptile artist. That is primarily the subject that I, uh, have kind of fallen into is kind of a way of speaking, I guess. Uh, but I draw reptiles for a living and went full time as of last February. Uh, so February of 2020, I pretty much decided to go full time with it. And I'm super excited to basically try to do the reptiles. I'm in love with justice, with uh, just getting really as tight as I can details and realism. I have a lot of fun with doing a lot of realistic artwork. Um, so I've got actually a, a bunch of goals with this, but yeah, primarily long story short, I draw reptiles for a living. I do prints and stickers and logos and I go to reptile shows across the country. So super excited to have gotten into this and um, it just keeps getting better and better. So I, I feel, I always feel a little bit guilty when I get to tell people that I get to do this and that it's my dream, but I, I'm super stoked. I'm just super happy to be able to do it. I think it's phenomenal. I wouldn't feel guilty. I think it's like how cool to be able to have achieved your dream. And like, you're so young and you're so successful. Like you truly are just so talented. It's incredible. I love watching when you're like at a show and you're like, Oh, I'm going to draw this. And then like three hours later, you have a perfect depiction of whatever the fuck you decided to draw today. <laughs> it's insane. I try really, really hard. I really do. <laughs> so yeah, I mean, every, every little bit of feedback seriously means a lot. And honestly, I really attribute what I do down to the fact that so many people were so encouraging the hobby about it. 
Mm -hmm. um, so I've been keeping and I've kind of been around for a while. I went to my first show, um, I think it was 2011 or so. And um, just getting to know people over the years, I didn't really do a whole lot of artwork at that time, but people would see like little, little sketches here and there. And I just got so much encouragement to do it that I was like, all right, I'm going to buckle up, buckle up and just go for it. And I'm really glad that I did. So you said that you went to your first reptile show in 2011. Is that when you first got into reptiles? Actually, I've been keeping them as long as I can remember. Not quite to the extent that we all do now, I suppose. But, you know, growing up, I had a corn snake, ball python, bearded dragon. I was, I was, I'm, I still am into all animals, but reptiles seem to just draw me with, they come in like every option you could ever want. And, and there's something mm -hmm. for everybody. There's every, every shape, every color, like any type of pattern. It's, it's pretty incredible the amount of diversity there are in species and that, that kind of caught my attention and, you know, being able to keep them a bit, I, I would say it's a lot more easy to keep reptiles than rodents or, you know, and mammals of that nature. So I was like, oh, reptiles, you know, they're, they're fairly low maintenance. There's something I can keep. And I just kind of went from there. So I've been lucky enough to work with animals uh, for pretty much most of my life as well. So that's kind of what led me into it. So when you were a kid, was it your idea to get into reptiles or were your parents already into them? My parents were into it very casually. Mm -hmm. Just kind of took that hobby and exploded with it. Mm -hmm. uh, they used to tell me stories about some of the animals they had kept, you know, before I was born. And I remember my dad would sometimes bring home uh you know he'd bring home an enclosure and I'd be like oh my god like what's in there I gotta know I get so excited and he'd bring you know he'd bring a creature home that he met you know one of his employees or something you know they they their kids couldn't take care of it or whatever and usually he would end up bringing those types of animals home because you know they, they were very cherished and loved with us and uh that's kind of how it got started and yeah I kind of went a little nuts with it <laughs> so did you have siblings no no, uh, only child. That's mm -hmm. kind of nice. Cause your parents are kind of going to be like, yeah, I guess you can have all the pets. Yeah. You know? <laughs> I, I did have to do uh, reports and I had to do presentations. So that's something that I'm very grateful for. Cause that kind of, I feel like set me up for the mentality of you've got to research everything before you get into it. But I mean, mm -hmm. since I was very small, I remember getting the trifold boards and, you know, getting glue and going to Kinko's and getting like reptile magazines and like photocopying <laughs> the, the photos of the animals in the magazines so I could cut them out and like put them on my poster board and then talk about, you know, why, why we should be able to keep them, how much it'll cost, what the maintenance will be, um, you know, what my part will be in that essentially. So that's kind of like how my love of research started as well. Oh my gosh. That's, that's definitely helpful because most people don't really have that, uh, that benefit of doing the research when they first get into it and they kill a lot of animals to start off. As a kid, it's really fun. I'm honestly surprised that, I mean, you, I I've met quite a few parents that do do that with their kids, but there, there is also a large majority that doesn't, which is almost kind mm -hmm. of surprising. It's, I mean, from my experience, most kids love to research something they're excited about. Like they get yeah. super about it. And, you know, with a little bit of encouragement, I feel like, you know, you can kind of set them up for success rather than, you know, some, some of the situations we see out there, but mm -hmm. that's what educational shows and all these shows are, are great about. Yeah. Snake discovery. I think, I just think like, oh, I wish when I was a kid, 
they were doing all that I would have loved to watch snake discovery I'm sure I mean I like it now um (laughs) so I know that also one thing that you're really into is horses and you have a horse now is that something that you were into as a kid as well and did you kind of develop these two hobbies at the same time yeah horses my obsession with them came first Mm -hmm. um since I was about three, I guess, according to my mom, I just, like, I got a little toy and I became obsessed with it. And then mm-hmm. everything from then on was like, horses, this versus that versus everything. Um, so I always enjoyed reptiles simultaneously. And I think part of how I got into reptiles so heavily is, you know, it, it takes a lot of resources to have a horse and growing up, that's not something that I just had. I, mm-hmm. lived, in, I lived in Chicago and reptiles were kind of a way that I could get obsessed with the creature, take care of it, and kind of just really enjoy, I guess, enjoy them. And I couldn't quite do that with a horse. And so I, I feel like I got a little bit heavier with reptiles for that reason. But yeah, I, I've been riding since I was about seven and uh, working at stables and, you know, busting my butt doing basically labor for, you know, for lessons and, I ended up, let's see, like working kids camps and kind of being a groom at a couple other places and just basically like doing a lot of chores for lessons and until I started teaching lessons too. So did you always think that you were going to work with animals in some capacity growing up? Like when did this, obviously being able to do reptile art full-time is something that's newer, but when you were younger at that age, were you thinking about being a vet or being a zookeeper, those kinds of things? Yeah, totally. I was obsessed with becoming a vet. Mm -hmm. Um, and I, as a sixth, fifth and sixth grader would stress out about my grades so badly. Cause I was like, if I don't get perfect grades, I won't be able to be a vet. And <laughs> I think at that time, that's kind of the only thing like vet or zookeeper were the only two things that I really thought of when it came to like jobs with animals. I don't mm-hmm. think anybody understands what a wide range that really is to be able to yeah. work. And so you know, vet being kind of the only thing I knew, I became totally obsessed with it. Um, I would had so many medical textbooks and veterinary textbooks that I would just look at over and over. I actually still have uh, horse diseases A to Z, which is like one of the first books I ever got, like as a small child that's got my oh name. Oh my gosh. And yeah, I was just obsessed with it. And I would draw actually a lot of the diagrams and illustrations yeah. in there. And I guess uh, my mom was telling me that some of the teachers that she got a call from the school and they're like, uh, excuse me. Like, I think we need to, we need to talk about Adeline. She's, you know, she's drawing some stuff and we're not sure like where she's getting this from. (laughs) And I was drawing, um, basically like the gestation period of dogs and their puppies. And so I was drawing all these dogs with their, you know, with their tummy and where you could see all the little puppies inside of her. And I was just all these medical illustrations they're like oh I'm not sure if this is okay but your kid's drawing some weird stuff oh my god I mean I guess there's worse things you could draw but I can also imagine like as a teacher being like that's that's really weird (laughs) drawing that so that that's kind of been going on forever um keeping animals I've, I've been keeping for a long time and I got my first job when I was 14 at an aquarium store and it was a specialty shop I I'll never forget it because I was just so like honored to be able to get that job. I, I was walking in and I was talking to a friend about, you know, different types of arowanas and basically telling them facts about it. Cause I was 
I'm a fish person and an mm-hmm. aquatic person as well. And uh, the owner of the store was like, oh, hey, you know, are, are you 16 yet? I'm like, no, I'm 14. He's like, ah, oh, shoot. You know, I'm hoping, hoping to get a helper around here. And uh, we were able to work it out that I, I would volunteer and uh, help out at the store because that, that was just something that another thing I was totally obsessed with. And uh, I worked there for about eight years. Wow. Eight years. Yeah, it was, it was. Did you eventually get paid? Yes, I did. Okay, good. (laughs) Just want to make sure. (laughs) Yeah, he's actually really sweet about it because, you know, even though I was volunteering, you'd like sneak me a 20 and be like, here, like have, have, have a tip for the day. And I'm like, oh, really? And that's kind of how, how that started. But yeah, I, I, you know, worked there. I worked at a wildlife center. Uh, Then you know, ended up moving and working at a mom and pop pet store that I still kind of help out with. Mm-hmm. And uh, they're, they're absolutely wonderful. So I've been very lucky to, to be able to work with the animals in the, in the capacity that I have. Mm-hmm. Um, so I feel like I've, I just feel super lucky that I've been hands-on with a lot of really cool species. Yeah. And, and as you kind of bounced around to these different stores and such, was your goal to like work in stores for a long period of time when did the idea that you could do reptile art full-time come up um honestly it wasn't until fairly recently I never actually considered blending the two I had a bit of I'm trying to think of like a a nice way to put it basically throughout high school I was very into art as well as Mm -hmm. full-time with the animals and I really wanted to do a lot more of it uh but as we all know, there's a lot of stereotypes when it comes to artists. And so, you know, I was just told by a few people over and over like, oh, you know, you know you're not going to be making any money unless you're an art teacher. And even then, like, you're not going to do so well. It's so competitive. And right. I think the pre-social media mindset, which mm-hmm. is totally understandable because, you know, I remember my grandparents, my grandma's a watercolor artist. And, you know, I, I think she was excited but concerned when I told her because you know before you pretty much had to try to get into juried art shows or galleries to be able to get Mm -hmm. your stuff seen and it was a lot more difficult than the amount of access that we have now so kind of pushed art off for many years I didn't really start picking it back up until like 2019 or so wow Um, basically on the off random totally random uh, off chance that I felt like doing Inktober for the first time. Mm-hmm. I don't know if you're, are you familiar with Inktober? Yeah. Yeah. It's, it's hilarious. Cause I love art. Um, but I'm so bad. It's like, I can see in my head, what I want to draw. And then it comes out like totally different. I always make the joke that like, I can even make stick figures look fat. Like I just literally don't know what to do with my hands. Um, but I love following different artists for Inktober. Are you doing it this year? I don't think I'll be, able, we'll see. I don't think I'll be able to, I don't want to hold myself to it without being able to complete it. Um, yeah. That's basically how it all started. Mm-hmm. Uh, I've been drawing a little bit here and there, you know, since high school, I was mostly focused on work and I didn't really give it a second thought. And then just for funsies, I was like, oh, you know, why not? Like I'm doing Toba this year. That might be fun. I see so all for, these- So sorry, for, for people who don't know what Inktober is, can you explain that? Sorry guys. Uh, so Inktober is basically a prompt list that is sent out to, or not necessarily sent out, but posted online. It's usually through Instagram and it's got a prompt list of every day in October, there's a random subject. So it'll say like, 
trees or it'll say like solitude or it'll just be a random word and mm-hmm. for every day in October you get a word and you got to draw something related to it so there's a quite a few people that do their own prompts uh I did Inktober Animal Party and I think like Zootober where people will pick different animal species and I mm-hmm. I, I really wanted to challenge myself but I did, I did two of them <laughs> wow uh, yeah it's basically just a fun way to like exercise and get back into drawing if you're out of it the way I was or just kind of have something fun that's random and creative so I decided to participate for the first time and a random friend was like hey do you have an art page I'm like no I have an art page <laughs> <laughs> and that's how it started you just posted was- something so well, were I- you doing were you specifically doing a an animal one the first time you did it I did all, I applied all of the regular Inktober prompts to animals. Oh, okay, cool. I actually, I have the, uh, the notebook with me on the scene. Oh, I want to see it. If you send me pictures of it afterwards, maybe I can post some of them. Yeah, definitely. So I think the first one was regular Inktober and it's a little bit confusing. So my notes are not very organized. I did Inktober animal party and regular Inktober at the same time. Mm-hmm. I did one by one squares. Oh my God, those are so detailed for just one little square. I figured I didn't have a lot of time because I was doing this after work and I was staying late for work all, a lot. Yeah. So I, I was like, oh, one by one square should be, I should be able to complete that. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, that's basically like this notebook is where, where it all started again. So you were working at the pet store at the time that you were starting this? Actually, no. Um, so a couple of years ago or three years ago now, uh, I was contacted by a auction company to be their graphic designer and mm-hmm. was to be their photographer. Mm-hmm. And so they, you know, did the song and dance and told us, you know, oh, we've got this brand new company and we're really excited. We'd love to have you guys join. And um, you know, basically promised a lot of things. And so we moved out to Indiana. Mm-hmm. And this is you and Chris? Yeah, this is Chris and I. So we moved out to Indiana and the first six months were great. Uh, I really enjoyed my job. Like I, everybody there was super awesome. And then I'm not sure what happened. If just everything got too casual, like within people knowing each other, or I don't know, they, like they weren't trying to impress us anymore or what. Mm-hmm. But it just became like a total shit show. Uh, the way the mm-hmm. place was run, it was just not run well. And um, that ended up leading to me getting frustrated enough to quit my job to be able to do this. Wow. So very grateful for it. Because yeah. For that, then I probably, you know, I'd still be working with animals, which would be awesome. And it would be fun. But I don't think I would have pursued the artwork um, quite as I did then. So after... I would get home late from work. I would basically after Inktober, I would just start working until like one or two in the morning on artwork. Mm-hmm. And that's the point that I was doing this so much on the side that I was like, why am I even going to this nine to five when it's not even nine to five and I'm miserable there. So right. that's kind of how that's the catalyst of like how it all started. So when you first started doing artwork, were you doing the logo work you do now, or were you just doing commissions or just basic pieces and selling prints? Uh, just little drawings here and there. Mm-hmm. And that turned into a couple friends commissioning me 
for some pieces and I was super honored and I like, couldn't believe anybody would want to commission me for anything. Mm -hmm. uh, so started with that and people had asked for logos in the past, but it never quite happened. And, um, you know, this was the first time that I started having people come to me asking mm -hmm. about logo design. I'm like, yeah, I suppose like I, you know, as long as the, the drawing is mostly what you need, you know, sure. I, I wouldn't mind giving it a try. And, you know, now majority of what I do is logos and graphic design work. And I try to do the traditional stuff in between. Mm -hmm. Yeah. So what was the first logo you did? Can you, can I ask? Get a look now. <laughs> it's been a minute. Let me take a look. Cause I know I posted it. I used to post my logos all the time. I haven't really been posting them much anymore, but I know my page is still like fairly new. So it shouldn't be too hard to go back and see. I think I know which one it was, but I'm not sure off the top of my head. I actually don't even know how many I've done. <laughs> which I'm kind of curious about now. All right, so the first, let's see, first logo posted. Um, first ones I did were like t-shirt designs. Yeah. And then it looks like Dark Knight Exotics, I think. I think that might be the one. Mm -hmm. It's so fun. So I have your, um, I've got your like page pulled up on this second screen yeah. and I love, I love looking back at like, even things from just a year ago, you know, looking at like the March, 2020 and it's the amount you've grown, you know, like you're still amazing then, but it's just a totally different level now. It's nice to actually be able to spend my time devoting it to continuing to get better as an artist and to like continue reaching my goals. It's just so nice to be able to actually have the time to do that now. Um, mm -hmm. I felt for so long, I was still stuck in my like high school level because I didn't really get to practice much or get many hours in. Right. And I feel like I, you know, I was kind of kind of in limbo for so many years and now that I can actually spend you know hours and hours and spend days on projects I I'm trying to push myself with each piece yeah and you can absolutely tell that 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 push is coming through so um like looking back at the beginning of your Instagram which like you said is it's a newer Instagram you've only been doing it for a little over a year maybe two years um it looks like you have a lot more paintings whereas now you do a lot of like marker work and ink-based work. Do you have a preferred medium or do you kind of switch throughout? Kind of depends on what I'm doing. Mm -hmm. uh, I The reason why those mini canvases started was actually because of all these shutdowns of COVID. Oh, okay. So that's how that started. I, I happened to be in Walmart like right before all of that went down and I found all these little tiny canvases. And I'm like, oh, these are cool. Like maybe I'll play with these eventually. I didn't really have any plans for them. Mm -hmm. uh, so I, I bought them and next thing I know we're all stuck inside and what a good time to be an artist though an <laughs> yeah. artist who does art for a living just stuck inside out. getting able to do it yeah yeah it, it definitely worked out because I I had went full-time with it February mm -hmm. um the hard part was I I put all my pennies everything I had into inventory because the March Tinley show was supposed to be my like big debut right um, that not happening. I was like, ah, but the community is just so amazing. Um, it was really sweet because there were so many of the 
you know, show groups that are like, Hey, shows are canceled. A lot of these vendors like stocked up for the shows, you know, let's just shop virtually. And, and mm-hmm. so a lot of happened and I was, I was doing pretty well. And I thought for fun, why not do a canvas a day on Facebook live and just sit and chat with people. I know a lot of folks at home are bored or stuck or need someone to talk to. Mm-hmm. And, uh, I, I really enjoyed it. I, I had a blast just talking with people and it's crazy how you can really forge good relationships with folks, even just, you know, through Facebook live or just online. It's pretty, pretty incredible. But I had a blast. Yeah. I used to watch this. Yeah. They were fun. I, yeah. I, I love doing it. I think I was, cause I was stuck inside and I didn't want to do my homework cause I was still in college. Yeah. So I'm like, I guess we'll just watch all these live podcasts and live painting and live everything. Cause I wanted a human interaction. <laughs> I mean, it was so much fun. I was doing the same thing. I was following a bunch of artists as well. And I had them going. And then I'm trying to, this is Baltimore Aquarium, I think had like a live feed of like the shark tanks and stuff like that. I feel like was definitely a really fun time to be able to, to be interactive online. Mm -hmm. Um, But yeah, I really miss, I really miss going live. I'm hoping to be, I know I keep saying it like every time, but I'm hoping to be able to get back to it fairly soon. Now that the show circuit craziness is slowing down a little bit right I like back to a regular schedule to like go live and chit chat with people mm-hmm. so you've mentioned it a couple of times like you've been talking about the shows and such which are obviously like the bigger reptile shows with you being an artist full-time um is that your primary way of of sales or are you still doing a lot of online um and what shows are you going to it kind of depends on the time of the year so usually spring is a little, I mean, this will probably all change next year, realistically, because of course I started this when a lot of shows got canceled. So mm-hmm. uh, typically my like spring and summer are a little bit slower show wise. Um, and so I'm doing just a lot of commission work. Uh, mm-hmm. Online sales are like usually so-so. Um, they're not like a majority of it, but usually shows are kind of where you get the most foot traffic and mm-hmm. I get to meet people. And that's, that's definitely a really good, good part of our income. Um, mm-hmm. so usually it's commission work and shows are like the two main things that are uh, keeping this going. Mm-hmm. I'll have, I have some pieces from you. Cause I, um, I met you last year at Daytona. So 2020, but I don't think I didn't really know you and I know that you didn't know me. <laughs> I was like very nervous, but I was with Carly Jones. Oh yeah. Um, and Carly's like, you have to meet Adeline. And I was like, no, I'm too nervous. And so I went up and I bought like a sticker and I was like, thank you so much. Bye. Um, <laughs> um, you said that March Tinley was supposed to be your debut. Does that mean that like Daytona was really your debut? Um, I had gone to, I think a couple shows before then. Mm-hmm. I like, totally have to pull everything up. Um, oh, that's fine. Right before March Chinley, I did Reptile Rampage. Mm-hmm. And so that was a week, week right before it. Um, so I got, that was my first show. And then let's see, what was the next one? I'm actually numbering all of them on Instagram now. So oh, good. we just hit our 20th show. Oh, that's awesome. Yeah, it's kind of fun, uh, fun to keep Oh, track. yeah, that was Ar- Arlington? Yeah, yeah, Arlington. So was cool. A t- uh sewer fest so let's see august 2nd sewer fest was the first show back and then it was daytona after that and you're traveling a lot for these yeah yeah we're driving everywhere so yeah because you just did a van conversion illinois i'm like yeah i'm an hour northwest of the city and it took i think 20 hours 
for the Daytona show. And then, so the funny thing about this last month, and I'm sorry, folks, that I've been like so sporadic. Um, and originally, I was just going to be gone for a week for Daytona. Mm-hmm. But we ended up hitting the Fort Myers Show Me Show that following weekend as well. So mm-hmm. that's a week trip. And then I got home. I was home for maybe a week before leaving for uh, Herbs Conroe, which I found out I was going to during the Fort Mill show. <laughs> and oh then, my gosh. So that was another two weeks of being out of town. So I've pretty much been gone for like a month. <laughs> and I'm finally, it's nice to finally be back home and like get back into the routine of things. But yeah, it's been a little bit nutty this time of year. Now we've got Tinley coming up, which I'm super mm-hmm. stoked about. It'll actually be my my first like real Tinley with the art table. Um, I brought my art to a couple of them in the past and it's actually really funny. Um, if you scroll all the way down, you'll see like, it's like a, a flyer holder with like a couple prints in it and like mm-hmm. little things that uh, birds and beasts were nice enough to let me put my stuff on, on their table. Yeah. Like, crazy to see like my first time ever bringing artwork to a show, you know, with the little flyer holders and, um, you know, compared to now, it's, it's, I love seeing it. It's just kind of fun. Yeah. Just a little different. <laughs> um. <laughs> So with this, Tinley, is this like, this is your home show, right? Yeah. The first reptile show I ever went to was the, I think, 2011 Tinley show. Mm-hmm. That's that's a good show to start off, you know? Yeah. Um, I think Tinley was my first reptile show too. Oh, really? Yeah. yeah. But I was, mine was like 2018. Early? Yeah. Because I, I don't know, I'm open about it. I haven't been in the hobby super long, um, but I've gotten... In, aggressively involved probably too involved um <laughs> so so in 2011 when you went to your first tinley and you know you're keeping animals kind of like sporadically different things that your parents are bringing home and such um did you ever really find a focus with what you were keeping or like your specific niche or have you always just kept a hodgepodge i've been all over the board honestly mm-hmm. Um, I remember when I first got into it, I want, you know, retics. Oh, retics are so cool. I love retics. I want to bring retics and became obsessed with them. You know, met a lot of wonderful people in the retic community, uh, by picking their brains and talking to them like nonstop. Yeah. And, um, actually like, right. As all the lacy stuff kind of happened before mm-hmm. that, I ended up actually kind of rehoming a bunch of my stuff because I was moving and mm-hmm. I had size and it like that plan ended up kind of getting thrown out. I totally fell in love with mothers. Um, so I had been working with them a little bit at the wildlife center and I just love how personable and intelligent and just observant they are. Um, so naturally, you know, I fell in love with them and I started keeping a little bit, then realized I had not as much space as I would like. So I started working with dwarf species. Mm-hmm. So getting some King Gorum. I started breeding red and yellow Ackies and keeping some really small guys. And uh, what's funny is Chris wasn't really into any of this for the most part until mm-hmm. much later. And he's like, oh, why don't you try tree monitors? They're kind of cool. They're kind of like a middle size. And I'm like, tree monitors? I, yeah, I guess. Yeah, why not? You know, that I, I want to expand, you know, my collection and my, my project. So I decided to try them out. Mm-hmm. next thing I know I am like I need an infinity 
stone glove of monitors because I'm obsessed with, you know, trying to get basically every species of tree monitor that I can and breed them and do trios and, um, you know, really got into it. Mm-hmm. Uh, so that's kind of pretty much since I got my first one that is like the one, one family of monitors that I've really just been drawn to. Mm-hmm. And I love, I love the pictures you take of them and, and all the paintings you do of them. They're, they are absolutely gorgeous creatures. So when you got into monitors first, uh, were you just into monitors in general because of their demeanor or was there something where you just like, are you more of a lizard person than a snake person? Um, honestly, I, I always considered myself a snake person rather than a lizard person to begin with. Um, I, I just like how their demeanor is, um, their personalities, and that's kind of what mostly drew, drew me to them. I think that their head structure is really cool. I just mm-hmm. love the way they move and the way they look at things. And so that's kind of what drew me to them. And um, the trees are really fun because they're just, they're so weirdly shaped and they're lanky and they, they're just like all toes. Mm-hmm. Um, got those long curly tails that, you know, they spiral up and they're just, I think they're, they're just so neat. Um, they're very attractive to me. And so that's, that's one reason I keep them. They're stupid pretty, but they also have really a really big variety of personalities too. Mm-hmm. So, so I know that monitors have a tendency to have sometimes not great reputations because they are so smart and they do have a tendency to have like big personalities and such. How do you socialize your animals and do you like do hands-on work with them or are they more like a look, don't touch species for you? I used to be very hands-on and then the more I've been doing it, the more I've kind of been letting go of like, this thing needs to be my friend. I kind of mm-hmm. just, um, because I'm like, Hey, I don't want to stress them out. Like they're, they're fine on their own. And so currently I'm fairly hands off, but I let them come to me. And so rather than going in and pulling them out and working with them, I basically, especially with the blues, I'll stick my, my hand in and I'll tongue feed and I'll basically bring them out on my arms. Mm-hmm. Or the more I do that, the more comfortable they get because they're, they're all wild caught and I want to take my time with them. I don't want to freak them out because they don't forget. <laughs> they do not whatsoever. So I'm fairly hands-off, but if they want to come out and they want to come hang out, they're more than welcome to. So I have some greens that were super friendly and, and super social. I mean, I, even after feeding, they'd be full and they'd be refusing food but I would open the cage door and they'll still hop up on my shoulder and, you know, crawl up on my head. I want to just look at everything. Mm-hmm. That's what I like about them. They want to know what's going on. So how do you have them set up? Currently they're kind of in temporary setups mm-hmm. uh, because of the move. I ended up selling some of the caging that we had because it just didn't really work with the place that we're at now. Mm-hmm. And <laughs> I've got the cage actually right now. Um, the build and I've got the foam, I've got all my cork bark and everything. That was a project I was supposed to work on basically before leaving for the month. Um, mm-hmm. So they're doing okay. They're in Euro units right now. Um, so they're, they're doing fine. I mean, they're, they're eating and they're, they've got their basking temperatures, right? And I'm misting them, but they're not in as much space as I would like them to be. Mm-hmm. So the age that I want them to be is like six by three by four, realistically. So wow. that's, that's the hard thing is yeah. I, <laughs> rather than having 
I mean, I, I've, I've just super downsized my collection so I can focus better on the individuals that I do have and try to provide more for them. Mm-hmm. So it's a, a difficult thing because I've always had a fairly large collection of animals, but I've kind of just scaled down to be able to like, just try to focus and give them the best that I can now. So you mentioned that you want to have trios of them. Are you, is this a species that you cohab like all the time? Yes and no. Previously, I had my trios of Cordensis all cohab together and there was never any problems. Um, mm-hmm. They didn't have like territory or like food issues. They all, they all ate just fine and they did well. Um, and they were starting to breed and I was starting to get some eggs from them, but it just kind of stopped there. We had uh, one hatchling like just about make it, but not, it didn't make it out of the egg. Mm-hmm. And after that, I, I've kind of kept everything separate just because I don't have them set up the way I want them to, to be able to breed. Mm-hmm. And so I'm taking the chance. I'd rather just keep them separated out until I can get that build ready again to be able to put them together. Right. So do they have one egg at a time? Uh, no, I had for my Cordensis, she was dropping like two at a time, but they'll, they'll drop multiples. I mean, I've seen some that like, I've seen some pretty decent sized clutches from them. I don't really know offhand what the number is. Hmm. Interesting. I guess I, I don't know why in my head that just seems bizarre, but I guess that makes sense because big lizards do have more eggs. So when you downsized your collection, what were you working with before that you, uh, like, you know, rehomed before focusing on the monitors? So I had a bunch of breeding pairs of Ackies, uh, mm-hmm. on tree boas, um, tried and failed my hand at emeralds, um, you know, Nile monitors, I had pairs of tortoises, uh, kind of like a random mix of stuff, um, gargoyle geckos, which I still have. Um, but I pretty much have, like try to cut it down now to the gargoyle geckos, the tree monitors. Uh, I've got a blue tongue skink that's like a little retired educational show guy, and he's too he's too friendly and sweet to to rehome him. I just can't bring myself to. Um, and I've got a couple other like animals that I'm looking to move, but mm-hmm. that's the hard thing about traveling so much and going to so many shows is. Yeah. I'm not spending as much time on them as I would like to. Mm-hmm. And so, thankfully, I have a lot of friends that, you know, are looking to keep what I've had or, you know, whatnot. And so a lot of the animals that I've had are currently with friends and it's actually awesome because I get updates on them. Yeah. That's what I'm, I'm very grateful for that. Cause <laughs> so like, you know, throw an animal into the, into the wind and hope it goes somewhere good. So Right. Yeah. So when you, when you are traveling, who's looking over your animals? So there's a couple gals that work at the pet store that stop in and help. Uh, Chris's little brother, he lives with us and he helps as well. Um, so they'll, he'll pretty much like check on them daily and the girls will come over like every couple of days or so. Mm-hmm. But yeah, it's kind of what we got going right now. Yeah. I can imagine that's difficult, especially with the monitor lizards. Do you notice ever that like I, I guess, like, do you ever have to rebuild any of the trust after being gone for longer periods of time? Not really. Um, I haven't had that issue with them. The harder thing is making sure everything's back to, like, the way, you know, everybody's very particular about the way they keep things. Mm-hmm. Yeah, 
know, um, I notice a lot. And that's something that like I always get worried about is if I'm out of town, like, but if they don't notice this animal acting like a little bit differently or like nobody would know unless you sat there every day and like watch. Right. Cause you know, your animal. Yeah. yeah. So there's like a few moments where they're like, Oh, well, like I think one of them stealing all the food. I'm like, Oh man, like <laughs> if I were there, I'd be able to like, you know, feed the females as well as the male separately, but it's a little bit hard when you've got, you know, other folks coming in that aren't really as familiar with them. But I mean, they, they did good. I'm super grateful for the, their help. Otherwise I wouldn't be able to do this. Mm-hmm. Um, but since I think because I'm very hands-off with the monitors, unless it's food time, they don't really seem to have an issue with me like coming or going. It's just like, oh, the food lady. Okay, I'll come <laughs> get some food. Okay, that's cool. All right, bye. Like, <laughs> I think that's kind of like how they view me. It's like, oh, the lady with like, with the food. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> so with uh, feeding as well, what are you feeding um, these animals? So I try to go as insect-based as I can. I know sometimes mm-hmm. it's a little bit hard when I'm in town. Um, so I try to mix it up just like anybody, you know, food can get kind of boring. So typically I do dubia roaches, I'll do hornworms, crickets here and there. They stink really bad, so I don't like doing them very often. Mm-hmm. Um, I'll throw some egg in there sometimes. I don't really do, I used to do like some chicken and some turkey, but I don't really do that anymore at all. And then I'll do like a fuzzy or so here and there. Usually that's that's kind of more reserved for like backup or when I'm out of town and like say someone can't get any insects or you know that's a good backup. Yeah um, absolutely. But yeah that's that's it for the most part. I mean I've tried a bunch of stuff with them. I've like given them I think I've given them like snails. I've tried giving them like sushi fish. I think I gave them like salmon and tuna. And I've just Are they tried- picky? Uh, they can be. Some of them are, like, some more than others. Uh, I've tried shrimp with them, too, and, like, little prawns, like krill. Mm-hmm. They weren't really a fan of that. I think just the shell. I don't know why. They're, like, cool with roaches, even though they're yeah. cool, but they weren't a fan of the shrimp. Yeah, that's something I think is hilarious um, with animals in captivity. So I used to intern at the local aquarium, and <laughs> our penguins that I worked with we're like so pampered that if the mackerel's head was tilted one way or the other, they refused to eat the fish. Really? Yeah. And then like the stingrays wouldn't eat anything that still had a shell on it. So we had to de-shell like all the shrimp and it was like this hilarious stuff. Cause it's like, you know, we're all about <laughs> conservation and preserving the species. And then like these species are like, mm, no, thank you. That's disgusting. <laughs> yeah. I, I seriously wonder sometimes, I'm like, how do you guys survive the wild? <laughs> I, yeah. <laughs> Having worked with some of the animals, like I've gotten the chance to work with, I literally watch documentaries and I'm like, mm, you guys are really playing up their intelligence a bit too much. <laughs> yeah, it's hilarious. So when you decide to, or when you have the chance to upgrade the monitor enclosures to something new, do you use any sort of bioactive? Are you doing uh, UV? What is what does your setup kind of look like in that regard? So the way I had it before, I had um, my you know UVA and UVB. So mm-hmm. I had my masking spots on one end with branches underneath it, and then I've tried to do live plants so many times with them, and mm-hmm. it's just not not really working. Um, their nails are just so sharp that. Like even when I'll, they'll run up my arm and they're not digging in, like they're just sitting on me. Um, yeah. they're, 
they, they definitely leave some scratch marks and so the, the plants just get destroyed. So I've tried it a bunch of times. So usually I try to have like lots of branches so that so they climb everywhere, lots of foliage. And mm-hmm. for the substrate, typically I did like a mix of cocoa and cypress and just basically like a big, big mix um, at the bottom. I would love to do bioactive, but I don't know. Um, I don't know yet how well it would work because they tend to sting sometimes and mm-hmm. like really nasty and I have to like take stuff out and mess with it a lot and I've had it had to do like full uh, substrate changes like several times and so I would hate to like have to take anything out but I don't know I'm, I'm thinking about it I would love to be able to do like a full planted setup and to be able to so we'll see I know people do it plenty of people do in monitor groups and they've got amazing enclosures and I don't know how they've got live plants maybe they're just rotating them out but they do so mm-hmm. I'd love to be able to get to that point um we'll just see if it if it happens or not so obviously you live in Illinois right now mm-hmm. okay so Illinois doesn't have great winters but do you provide any sort of outdoor um enclosures for them during the summertime not really no is that something you'd like to do Oh, I would love to. I just don't really trust them in anything um, mm-hmm. unless I made it myself or got something with like metal mesh that it's a little like a little tricky because you know, say they were to get out or like something would happen, like that animal's gone and they're not going to make it throughout the winter. So like something yeah. that would super escape proof. So it would be cool and I would love to be able to do it. Um, I'm, we've talked about it a bunch when we were in Indiana, but I haven't quite found something that I'd like to be able to keep them in yet. Yeah, I know that Carly Jones, um, she's not on social media as much anymore, but she like sent me this video this summer. Um, hi, Carly, if you're listening, by the way. And she made like a whole chicken coop that she uses as outdoor enrichment for her snakes. And she put a chair in there so that she can read her book while her snakes are like climbing all over the place. I thought it was so cool. Um, that's so cool. Yeah, it was great. I mean, Carly's the best. Um, but she just goes all out for her animals anyways. I think she had like a six foot by three foot by four foot enclosure for a bull snake. Really? Like, yeah, just the most awesome. insane setups. I'd like but- to be that point eventually it's a little hard where we're at right now location wise too i know we, we don't plan on staying here forever um mm-hmm. and yeah i'm just kind of at like a really busy intersection <laughs> and so it's yeah. a little like be outside out here yeah i think i see that a lot too like it's funny you're very young i'm also very young and i think we okay i'm speaking for myself but i'm gonna say we like people like us, we look at older keepers or people who've been in it longer and you're like, oh my gosh, you have all this incredible things. You have these huge facilities, all of this stuff. And it's like, well, I don't even know if I'm going to live in the same apartment next year. So if I tried to do that right now, it's just impractical. You know, yeah. I have these lofty goals, but I have to decide where I'm like settling down and I'm not there yet. That's the hard part. Yeah. I mean, it, especially with just like everything going on, you never know what's going to happen. So, I mean, it, that's, that's part of the hard part with um all the animals that I guess I acquired like when I got into the tree monitors I expected to be home most of the mm-hmm. time I didn't mm-hmm. expect to like ever move again and so I was like okay like we're at this spot like I don't foresee us moving we're gonna make these big builds and you know settle settle over here 
for the most part, you know, we'll, we might move maybe down the road, but who knows? And right. just having to do that, like back to back, um, really just like threw all the plans up in the air. So now I'm like, uh, we'll see. <laughs> mm-hmm. And in that vein, do you like have plans to expand your collection at all? Or are you kind of settled with where you are? Not for a while. Um, mm-hmm. I want to, like my heart says, yes, there's all these creatures that I would love to work with. Um, but I don't know how many shows we're going to be doing. I don't know how much we'll be traveling. And so I'm kind of taking this time right now. Like I said, we're young and I meet so many older people that are like, go out and do stuff now, do it now, because when mm-hmm. you get to age, it's not going to be easy. And I've heard that, you know, so much. And so I'm, I want to take their advice. I want to go out. I want to, tra- I really want to travel a lot. And the nice thing about what I do is I'm able to check out different facilities, pet stores, aquariums, and see these animals that I love so much um, where I don't really have to take care of them, but I get to enjoy them and I get to spend time with them. And mm-hmm. so that's kind of the, the main goal or one of the goals with, you know, this art thing, I guess is this art thing thing. that little that little art thing you're doing (laughs) I mean my one of the big ones is to be able to go herping wherever I travel to and take my own reference photos and kind of like work off of that so the animal has a story of like hey I went to this show took a photo of this animal it was my first you know first of this species that I've ever seen and I want to draw it Mm -hmm. and I'm hoping to be able to to do some more of that but just being able to go different places and see facilities it's a lot of fun because I technically don't really work much with them anymore other than my my own collection and you know I I help out at pet store as well but um, I don't really work personally with a large variety of species hands-on anymore but I can at shows I get to see them at friends facilities and at you know different stores and aquariums so Mm -hmm. it's a way to stay connected (laughs) I love seeing all the places you get to travel to like meet those animals. That's definitely a cool experience. Um, so with that, like, how do you currently find your references, your references for your pictures? Are you just looking on Instagram and then saying, Hey, like, can I draw your animal or how does that work? Bit of that. Um, there's a lot of times where I'll just see something and it'll just be super striking to me. And I'm like, Oh my God, I really want to draw that. And luckily like every, I mean, so far, everybody that I've asked is usually pretty excited about it. It's like, oh yeah, that would be awesome. And, you know, of course I tag them. I, I always tag my, my reference photos. Um, sometimes I'll, I'll just post on Facebook, hey guys, I'm looking for, you know, reference photos of an alligator. And I'm super grateful because I have a ton of awesome people that will just like send me a bunch of photos. And I'm like, sweet, I've got, you know, plenty of photos to work from. And, and uh, you know, whatever I use, I'll, I'll tag them in. So mm-hmm. you that's it for the most part. I'd, I'd rather have a personal connection to somebody with an animal that I draw rather than go online to like an open source website or something. Um, or I try to take my own reference photos too whenever I go places. So, right. So one of the places you went recently was Gatorland. Can you tell me a little bit about that trip? That looks so fun. It was, I seriously, I'm like still so over the moon about it. It was a lot of fun. Um, Savannah was super sweet and she actually messaged me months ago uh, at the beginning of the year going like, Hey, if you're ever out this way, you know, feel free to, to stop on by and let me know. I'd love to, to be able to meet up with you and, you know, give you a little tour or something. And I'm like, Oh yeah. You know, Daytona become, you know, at, at the Daytona show will be the next time I'm out there. So, um, during the show, she, she actually came to the show and I met her for the first time in person. She's super sweet. And she's like, Hey, you know, here's my number and get with me whenever you're ready. 
Mm-hmm. And so, you know, we ended up meeting up with her there and I was not expecting, I guess, the level of being able to check stuff out that, you know, they were able to do for us. I was just kind of blown away by that. So they were just mm-hmm. And, um, you know, pretty much showed us like just about everything we walked through, we were feeding a lot of the alligators. Um, she was talking about each one of them. It's, it is absolutely incredible how they know who's who out of all of those alligators. It's insane. Yeah. And they use each know their name. Like that is just nuts. It's super cool. So I had a blast with that. Like crocodilians and venomous and monitors are like the three things that like really get me excited. Um, mm-hmm. that, you know, I've worked with several crocodilians, not many, like nothing really big. So to be able to be around them, you know, that the huge Nile and just like, oh, it was just so much fun. Um, and a big part of it too was being able to take reference photos. So we would get in there and she's like, oh, you know, here's so-and-so, come come take some photos of them. And uh, so like Pearl, Pearl is uh, h- h- hanging out, just like sunning himself. And she's like, come on, Pearl, open your eyes, Pearl. <laughs> like, <laughs> He like opens his eyes and he's looking around so you know they let me get up really close and take some really nice photos of him and take photos of some of the other species they had so you know I, I've got my own references which is just so much fun to work with so actually uh in between shows I I've never actually worked on the road before mm-hmm. but I had my iPad and I was like you know what I really want to draw Pearl like I just fell in love with just the, his face like when you think of an albino animal you think of a white animal with red eyes right and the reality of it was like his face i've never seen so many colors on mm-hmm. a creature's face before like that like he had blues and purples and pinks and orange like all on his face and so i literally sat and of course i had no wi-fi so i'm like on the ipad trying to like look at my phone <laughs> like trying to draw a pearl like look at photos of him and zoom in on my phone while i was drawing on it but yeah, that was like my project for the week was to to see if I could get a piece done. And I'm really glad I did. I had a lot of fun working on that one. It was very different. Is that the no grit, no pearl? Yep. Yeah. Yeah. I think that's so cool. So when you're doing a piece like this, um, do you, so you just use a photo as a reference? You don't do any sort of tracing or like outlining with it? I do. So yeah. I- I'll usually do a really light, um, a little faint outline if I can, just because mm-hmm. I get the proportions right. Um, and I know a lot of people are like, oh my God, that's cheating, but it's really not. It's just, I mean, you do everything else. It's, yeah, I think it's fine. <laughs> you also took the picture. <laughs> like if it's cheating, then, you know, please take the 10 hours or 15 hours away, you know, that clearly didn't happen. Um, mm-hmm. but yeah, so usually I'll try to make sure I get as realistic of a, of a piece that I can do. So I want to make sure the anatomy is correct. I want to make sure the scalation is as correct as I can get it. Um, because if something's off, it, it looks off and you know that. And mm-hmm. a lot of stuff I will do just by eye. Um, but I personally notice a little bit of a difference because we're not, we're not copy machines. We can't completely put down the exact thing. Mm-hmm. Um, so I'll, I'll, get fairly close um there's actually like quite a few pieces that are on there that I just did you know freehand as well mm-hmm. sometimes I'll do a lot of photo stitching where I'll use multiple refer- references and I'll just draw on you know with with pencil on paper to try to mix them together um mm-hmm. 
with my like technical pieces, I could use all the help I can get. Is a technical piece like the one like Pearl? Uh, yes. Yeah. Pearl or like any of the high detail ones. Mm-hmm. A very, very faint light outline and just like where the basic, you know, where the eye is positioned or if there's any pattern in certain areas, I want to make sure I get it right. So, so how, and I guess this is probably a hard thing, but how do you determine for yourself when you're done? Because I can imagine that you can continue to look at a piece and just want to add things. Like what's your, what's your bar? <laughs> um, I, I'm trying to be, like the more I do this, I try to be nicer to myself because mm-hmm. every artist is just horrible to themselves that I've met for the yeah. most until you like figure out that mental game of like, hey, you know, I got to continue doing this. That's how I continue getting better. You know, look at where you were last year. Like everybody's standards, especially when it comes to creatives, like just is always higher. Mm-hmm. Um, the better you get, the higher your standards are. And so it can kind of seem like unachievable or unobtainable, which it's somewhat is depending on what your goals are. But I kind of told myself like, need to be patient if a piece looks good to me and it looks right and I can't think of anything else to add in the moment, then I will leave it be. Mm -hmm. Sometimes I'll look back, but usually I don't. And that's kind of usually the point. Um, With some stuff where the animal is there by itself, occasionally I'll put backgrounds on it if I still feel like I want to add more to that piece. Um, It kind of really depends on it. But I try to like, okay, is there anything else I need to do? And I'll have Chris come over and look. I'm like, hey, do you see anything that like offhand? And he'll be like, no. And I'm like, okay, I'll stop there. Um, and then, you know, of course, in a few days, I see something that I want to change. But I'm like, nope, that's how it is. Like, you know, if I want to redo it again later, I can redo it again later. So that was my next question. So I know that you posted a couple weeks ago that you like redid a bearded dragon um, photo, excuse me, not photo, a drawing. Do you ever go back to old images or do you always start from scratch if you're going to like revisit something? Um, I'll go and look at some older pieces I did Mm -hmm. and then do my new take on it. Mm-hmm. So I never actually like physically will work on a piece that I did back in the day. I won't add to it or like continue it typically. I'll just completely start fresh, but with the same concept. Mm-hmm. Um, and so, yeah, I felt like the beardy one was like a pretty good one to compare. The other one that I really want to do is there's a bush viper that I did that was one of my first ones ever. And I would mm-hmm. love to redo that because it, it's kind of fun to be able to see like how how I've progressed and that kind of keeps me going sometimes because there's a lot of moments where I'm like I don't know you know should I even be doing this like you know we didn't do that great at this show or that show even though we we did fine but you know it's very easy to kind of get down on yourself and sometimes being able to see them next to each other I'm like okay like I am moving forward I am doing a lot in a short amount of time like it's okay Mm -hmm. (laughs) be nice yeah yeah I I just can't imagine that takes a lot of self-discipline, you know, and especially like working for yourself now, um, there's probably an added amount of pressure too that that you didn't have beforehand. Yeah. It's, and I'm, I'm not a, is that one meme? I think I saw a meme that's like, uh, I don't really run such a, such a very tight ship either. So I'm working, (laughs) I, um, you know, I've got my calendar. That's why I always ask 
people like to come in the business phase due to like star and like organize everything. And um, I'm excited to, to start planning out next year's uh, shows and everything so I can kind of get a good idea of where my time is going to be spent. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's a lot. Like running your own thing. I thought I'd be drawing all day and I'm not. Yeah, there's so much more to it than just that. Are you tired of changing a reptile's UVB light every six months? Well, VivTech Products has the perfect bulb for you. The VivTech SureSun Series UVB and UVA bulb has a typical four-year lifespan with no UVB degradation. That means that your pet will always have the UVB and UVA they need, all while you save up to $400 over the life of the bulb. VivTech, providing a better life for reptiles in our homes and the wild through innovative husbandry. Enjoy the rest of the episode. So when you, like, say you're looking at next year, you're looking at the shows, are you going into 2022 with like a list of species that you want to draw or is it just kind of like what comes to you or what strikes you at that time? How do you choose what we're going to focus on? So initially when I started, it was all primarily just subjects that I thought were interesting. Um, mm-hmm. If it were up to me, I'd probably be drawing like way too many monitors. <laughs> um, but Can you ever I, draw too many monitors? Yeah, fair enough. Um, but I got to the point that I had a lot of people go, uh, well, do you have any ball python art? You know, my kid's got a ball python and we want to get something. And I'm like, oh, shoot. Um, so that kind of made me sit and realize like, okay, I can't, you know, obviously I can draw for myself, but mm-hmm. I would like to be able to provide, you know, fun animals and fun artwork for kids or people that keep different species as well. Mm-hmm. Um, so what I'm kind of doing is every other high detail piece, one will be one that I, I want to do. And the next one will be one on a frequently requested list. So hmm. I have with me right here. <laughs> Ooh, that's your frequently requested list or is that just both? Oh, it is. It is. Um, my friend Danny helped me like come up with Danny and Chris are, are, are very close. Uh, both of them they basically helped me come up with lists and they, they helped me stay sane throughout all this. So yeah, I've got a list on the back of like beauties, blue tongue skiing. So I like go down a list of, you know, what a lot of people are looking for. Mm-hmm. At every show, there's always somebody looking for something that I don't have yet. And so I'm hoping to be able to get to the point where I can like have a bit, a little bit more for everybody. So what is, what's your most like successful item that you're selling right now? Like if you go to a show, you're like, this is the thing everyone's going to buy. It's super regional. Really? Crazy. Yes. I had no idea going into it. Um, I'm, I've always been going to Illinois shows, you know, I'm mm-hmm. from Chicago. It's our home shows for years. I've been going to Sewerfest and, and RBC Timley Park. Those are the only shows I ever really did until I started basically doing the artwork and doing the circuit and what sells in, you know, in Illinois does not sell in Florida and what sells in Florida does not sell in Texas. It's pretty interesting. Mm-hmm. Uh, regional, Regionally, people ask for different things. Um, when I was in Florida, I remember last last year was the first time I had ever gone to the Daytona show, and I had no tortoise artwork, no alligator artwork, like no tegu artwork, and everybody, everybody was like, "Hey, do you got any alligator stuff?" I'm like, "Not, not, not really." You know, mm-hmm. I've done alligators for people. I've done a lot of custom stuff, but I just didn't have any available, and so that kind of got me thinking of like, okay, for each show. I want to make sure that I have something, you know, that folks in that area are into. Mm-hmm. And 
tortoises. Like I have so many people in Daytona looking for tortoise stuff and in Texas as well. Cause you know, a lot more people keep them out there. Up right. here, few, you know, some people keep some Russians, some people keep some red foots that you don't really see much more outside of that because mm-hmm. we don't have the climate to be able to put them in our backyard. Right. And so it's definitely really cool to see the regional differences between all the shows. So now I'm trying to prepare for them. Um, at certain shows, I can fairly, I can usually kind of tell what'll do well, um, but sometimes it's all over the board. Like sometimes you just have no idea. Like I, I sold out of all of my Hogno stuff at Daytona. Um, you know, did a lot of alligators, sold mm-hmm. some pieces. And, you know, that's not something that moved a whole lot at other shows. Um, and then some shows, you know, where there was some venomous, like a bunch of venomous stuff would go, or it'd be like a little bit of a mix of everything. So it really, really kind of depends on where I'm at, honestly. That's so interesting. I mean, it makes sense, but I would not have thought of that. Yeah. I, I brought retic stickers to the Daytona show the first time. And I like looked around, I'm like, wait, there's no retics here. Oh, oh yeah. <laughs> yeah. I guess that's, yeah, it makes, it does make sense. Um, think about it. So you mentioned that you like said that you've done custom pieces for other people. Do you, when you make a custom piece, do you sell prints of it ever? Or is it just for that one person? Sorry for the commission. Yes. Mm -hmm. So it, it depends on the piece and it depends on the commissioner, but for the most part, a lot of them are really cool with me being able to make prints with them. Mm -hmm. Um, it's one of the first commissioned pieces I ever did is like still one of my best sellers, which is awesome. They're like, go ahead, like, feel free to sell them at shows. Like, you know, whatever you got, whatever you can do to help yourself, like by all means. So I've had a lot of mm-hmm. really wonderful clients that uh, will let me use them, you know, and it, I, I usually try to tell people where they're from as well. Like, oh yeah, this hog nose is from so-and-so or this, you know, this viper is from so-and-so and because there's a story behind it. And that's kind of what I love is just the, the connection that, you know, the connections we make in the reptile hobby and the reptile community basically mm-hmm. did you ever have to like get over any sort of fear of like messaging people out of the blue to be like hey can i use your animal in a picture and did anyone ever say no it hasn't happened yet but yeah okay. every time knock on I, wood yeah knocking on wood every time i get like very nervous about it um for the most like that's the thing too is like I, I'm kind of a chicken when it comes to it. There's quite a few like reptile photographers that I'm like, oh my God, I love their work so much. But like, what if they say no? Yeah. I get but, that. I get that when I ask people to interview, like I haven't had anyone say no to being interviewed, but I'm like, what if they hate me and they just haven't said anything? Uh, <laughs> it's the same thing. I'm just like, oh my God, like, I don't know. And like, I feel like they totally would be cool. I just haven't asked yet. Um, but usually for the most part, I'll just ask on my Facebook, like, does anybody have reference photos for X, Y, and Z? And mm-hmm. you, know, you meet enough people that people will recommend each other or they'll recommend, you know, a friend of theirs that, you know, breeds whatever. And then that's how I'll like go through and find my reference photos. Um, mm-hmm. but I, yeah, I have a ton of photos saved. And I mean, so far, I mean, knocking on wood, a lot of the photographers have been super excited. Um, there's like a couple of like, oh my God, that's so awesome. I can't wait to see it. And they get super, super pumped, which makes me extra pumped too. So, mm-hmm. so one of the things I wanted to, to touch on with you, because I think it's really cool. You have, um, I believe you're the admin for the like her herpetological like art or mm-hmm. uh, Facebook group. What is that called? Yeah. So I started the herpetological art collective mm-hmm. and just a place for other reptile artists to like 
network and chat with each other. I want them to be able to promote their, you know, their wares or commissions or projects or whatever. And I also wanted it to be a place where new upcoming artists that want to get into it, um, you know, can join and share their work or get feedback or, you know, kind of whatever, whatever you need. So it's basically just like a big group of people that appreciate reptile art, both artists and non-artists alike. So yeah, I I love that group. I'm in it. I, um, I found a lot of artists that like I now follow on different things because I really, I did enjoy it. Do you find that the artist community like is like tends to be pretty, uh, like helpful and welcoming to people? Yeah. Cause I know that, you know, with art, you can just kind of like, you know, with breeding different animals, you can overlap with people and you're either friends with them or you're not, or do you guys all have a tendency to be collaborative at all? Um, I think in the beginning, like I may have pissed people off for just starting to do what I did. Mm-hmm. Um, but I think they came around, like I ended up like chatting with them a little bit more later. And like, like right now, as far as I know, like, you know, everybody's very supportive of each other. I always try to promote like everybody. I, there's so much to go around and there's so many different art styles. And there's so many different species. Like there's plenty for everybody. There's no reason I feel like for there to be competition at all. Um, right. Everybody is just so different. Like I, you know, every time I see it, I know for the most part who it's by because there's not many of us. Um, or sometimes when I find new folks, I'm like, hey, like, come join the group. Is it, you know, why not? We can all mm-hmm. help each other. There's no reason not to. So it's a really good, I mean, I think so far it's been a really good resource for people to be able to get feedback on stuff, um, to be able to share their stuff. So there's a couple reptile art Facebook groups out there, but you're not allowed to promote your work. Um, and that didn't really sit right with me. I was like, I feel like people should be able to promote their work because that's what they're doing. And a lot right. of people do a side job or it's their, you know, it's their living full time now. So, you know, if, if you're sharing something from your page, you shouldn't get, you know, flagged or whatever for that. So I, I kind of wanted to make something that was inclusive and like would welcome everybody. Mm-hmm. But yeah, I mean, so far I know plenty of other reptile artists that are absolutely wonderful and amazing and it's really nice too, because we all kind of specialize in different things. A lot of times we'll refer, we'll send referrals over to each other for different projects. Um, you know, so I love seeing it. I love collecting reptile art too. And so it's just, it's kind of fun all around. Mm-hmm. I also love collecting reptile art. I like collecting art in general. I have a couple of your pieces and then I have like Zach Her, who, if you don't follow, I am making art on Instagram. You definitely should. His work's incredible. I got like a ton of his pieces framed. Um, but I have a picture of yours that you drew and it's one of your poison dart frogs. And yeah. it's more um, that cartoony style. Yeah, with the leaf. Yes, I love that piece. Um, and I noticed that that was a style you kind of did uh, more like longer ago. It seems like you've kind of moved away from some of that cartoony stuff, not in any bad way. I mean, I love it. Um, how have you worked to develop your personal style and like evolve with that i'll still do some a little bit more cartoony things mostly in logos now i haven't done a Mm -hmm. whole lot of personal pieces um but for the most part i just try to push myself to see how technical i can get there's Mm -hmm. still a lot of other things i would like to improve on like i would love to be fantastic at backgrounds and habitats and i'd love to be able to you know master that master water um you know water's hard yeah, it's crazy hard, mm-hmm. <laughs> especially with, like aquatic species. Like there's some artists I follow and um, it's just insane, like how realistic, like 
turtles coming out of water and you know i've got i follow a bunch of aquatic artists that do like fish and they're like the rays of light are coming through uh, the waves and i'm like oh that is just insane um, yeah so a lot that i want to do um i think i'm just more trying to see how detailed i could get so then i can kind of go from there and i don't know try to broaden things i i honestly don't know what what my what my long-term plan is i just know currently i'm, I'm having a lot of fun trying to see how kind of detailed i can get mm-hmm. it's definitely cool i love it um do you have any like thoughts on moving to potentially to different media oh yeah I, I actually just picked up wash i've never tried it what is that wash paint oh okay i don't know what that is wash <laughs> wash um i have seen other artists use it for so many years and i've never seen it for like i've never seen it available and i've never worked with it and i've never tried it so i Mm -hmm. finally got some and i picked it up so i'm excited to test it out and see how it works um yeah a lot of artists that i really really enjoy i know use gouache um i've worked in acrylics i've worked in oils it's been a long time though um actually the the bottle that I did for use art was like the first time I did acrylics in like a year, but I enjoyed that. That was really cool. And that sold for what? $3,000. Yep. $3,001. Wow. That's incredible. <laughs> yeah. I couldn't believe it. That was a lot of fun. Um, but I love trying different mediums. I think it's, it's a blast. The Copics I love the only difficult thing is I'm a little bit limited because I don't have all the colors. And so what is that? Is that the, the markers? Yeah. Um, so I'm kind of limited to like what I have right now. Maybe eventually I'll get the the collection of them, but they're they're a blast. That's kind of what I've just been having fun with. So I've been going with it. But mm-hmm. I'd like to start painting again. I kind of miss painting. Um, there's a different, I feel like, element to it when it comes to details that you can get with painting. Like it's just it, they're just so different. But I like like playing with them. Here, let me actually show you what I've been working on today. I saw that. I saw that. That. So it's this blue tongue skink and you're posting a video of it. Mm-hmm. I like cannot believe that you are drawing that. So yeah. I'll hopefully post a picture of that if I remember yeah. to post it on our Instagram, which you should follow our Instagram. Um, <laughs> but how do you always start by drawing and then coloring in as you go? Or do you like to do just kind of mix it up? I kind of mix it up depending on the piece. Uh, it also depends on how the piece is colored. Mm-hmm. So for darker, darker, for very dark and for very light pieces, I notice that I tend to do the line or the scales and the line work and pen before I'll lay down color sometimes, mm-hmm. um, just to kind of get a good idea of how dark or how light I want to go in certain areas. Usually middle-toned animals, I'll do the color first and then I'll add the scalation and then I'll add more color. So it really kind of depends on the piece itself. This guy is very light and if if I'd go over it basically like all of my guidelines would have disappeared if I had mm-hmm. just worked with color a bunch. And so I figured I would try to do scale work and then build up the color. Mm-hmm. So it's kind of backwards. So do you only draw reptiles and amphibians or do you do any like mammal work? Currently, um, just reptiles for the most Mm -hmm. part. I actually, I've been drawing horses the longest. That's kind of what started me. I've been drawing horses forever. Um, But because most of my clients are 
reptile folk. <laughs> and I've just been like lucky enough to be in the community, you know, for, for as long as I have. Usually mm-hmm. that's that's my subject for the most part. I enjoy, you know, other species too. I, I really want to do more work um, with my roots with aquatics. I want to do some more bird stuff because I've worked with a lot of different parrots and different birds as well at the pet store. Um, and so there's a lot I want to do. Just currently reptiles are like getting all my attention right now. Yeah. I just can imagine that if I was an artist and I got sucked into reptiles, which are so incredibly detailed, I would be like, damn, why couldn't I be a dolphin painter? They don't have the scales. Every time I like every time I work on a piece, I'm like, why do I do this to myself? <laughs> yeah. I watch I watch your videos and then Noah Bounds's videos mm-hmm. of like four hours of just making these teeny tiny little scales. And I'm like, mm, no, thank you. <laughs> it can be pretty tedious. Like it it really depends on the day. Like some days I'm like, oh, it's relaxing. Like I got my I got my tea, I've got my like lo-fi, whatever, whatever playing on YouTube and I'm relaxed. Um, and other days I'm like, why do I do this to myself? Why do I draw reptiles? Why can't I draw like anything else? Um, and of course, like the one time I wanted to do a detailed dart frog, I picked like a very textured frog, which took me just as long as if it had scales. Um, Right. um, Of course. Oh my gosh. So do you have, um, a favorite animal to draw? It's hard because my, my favorites are animals that I am drawn to the most. So like, mm-hmm. horses, I've just been drawing them forever. So I really enjoy drawing them. Like I never right. get to them. Uh, monitors, I enjoy crocodilians. The venomous stuff I think is really fun because they come in so many colors and they've got such like really cool keeled scales or like different shaped scales. So that's usually kind of more of what I'm drawn to. Um, I also like a lot of like skeletons and doing skulls and trying to do like natural history, um, you know, veterinary handbook type artwork too. But I just, there's a a long, long list of things that I want to do. I just haven't been able to get to it yet. Mm -hmm. Yeah. That's, I can only imagine of like, cause you think, uh, yeah, I'll do all these things. And then one painting takes you 10 hours and they're getting longer and longer, the more detailed I'm getting too. So it's like, (laughs) They're taking up more and more time. Mm-hmm. So we touched on it. I'm going to switch gears a little bit. Um, Cause you mentioned something that I wanted to ask about because uh, so for people who don't know, Chris is your boyfriend and mm-hmm. he uh, attends most of the shows with you. He posts really horrible memes on Facebook. <laughs> um, Justin Smith says he's in love with him and wants to know how you bagged a guy like that. Um, <laughs> <laughs> but you mentioned that he wasn't really into the animals, um, but he's the one who kind of got you into the tree monitors. Mm-hmm. When you first met him, was he an animal person at all? Uh, kind of, but not really. Like, yeah. I didn't think he was whatsoever until um, we actually like kind of started to date. And then I like would hear stories of like he hand raised a baby Robin growing up and like it was his best friend and like he actually he did spend time with you know animals he just never really talked about them and they, they weren't really like his thing at the time mm-hmm. and like I still I just laugh all the time now because someone will like ask a question and he'll just start answering it and it'll be you know 
questions that I know, you know, seven years ago, he would not know or care about. And it's just kind of, kind of funny how much he's just like learned through, um, association, I guess. But yes, he's been picking up a lot and getting into projects and it's really fun to see him get excited about it because then that makes me extra excited about it. Um, so it's nice to be able to have somebody that, you know, has a blast with basically everything we keep and, um, you know, does a crap ton of research on it too. And, you know, surprises me with a lot of stuff. Mm -hmm. That's gotta be fun to be able to bring someone into the hobby like that. Yeah, it really is because I, you know, it's my first, it was my first time ever experiencing that at all. And I didn't, I didn't expect that, I guess, for him to like be so open of like, oh yeah, like, let's check this out. Like you should, you should get into the tree monitors. It's something you're into. And I'm like, well, maybe I should. (laughs) (laughs) Um, it's just fun, you know, going to shows with them and he's so like, he's so good at talking to people. I know sometimes like I can get fairly awkward at times. And so it's always like kind of fun, you know, he's, he's very good at like bringing that out, I guess. And it's just fun. Does it ever, does it ever get overwhelming at shows? Cause I can imagine that like a lot of people know who you are. How did you deal with going from like, not really vending people don't really know not in like a rude way but people don't necessarily know who you are to all of a sudden being like a very big prominent name in the hobby that a lot of people like recognize your work me yeah oh my god yeah absolutely i'm just i'm just adding you know (laughs) i um like to me it's it's fairly surreal like still whenever anybody's like i follow you online i'm like you what (gasps) like me not me like you want to buy my artwork? What? Like I'm <laughs> blown by all of it. Like it's it's crazy. Um, I just I have so much fun. So I'm I'm a very social person. Um, but I can I'm I'm comfortable being alone and like spending my my quiet time by myself. But I I love chatting with people, and so I just have a blast going to these shows. And yeah, I get so amped up that like at the end of the show, I'm just dead. I am like a wet rag. I'm just super tired mm-hmm. um that all the energy of like just being so excited to, to be there in the first place and then to meet people that you know I've met online or that you know I've talked to that I mean it, it's well, it reminds me of like a family reunion essentially like you get to see people that you really care about a couple times a year and it's it's a big party and it's a lot of fun and so yeah I I, I have a blast during the shows and love chatting with everybody and then, yeah, I definitely crash. I crash pretty hard for like a couple days after. Mm-hmm. Um, it's such an, it's such a high and then like an immediate low. Oh, totally. Like I, I, I love the show so much. Like I always look forward to them, but like, not going to lie at the end. I'm like, oh, it's over. Like it's done. I can breathe. Like all this, cause it, there's a lot of prep work that goes into it. Oh that, yeah. You know, it, it usually like almost a month in advance. I'm like trying to get prints ordered, get stickers ordered. I need to get, you know, the bags and the backing boards and then make sure I have everything, all my clients taken care of as well. And it's a lot to, to kind of balance. And, uh, usually at the end of the show, I'm like, Oh man, I'm so tired, but it's, mm-hmm. it's a blast. And yeah, I mean, I, I have so much fun. There's such a, an emotional like peak that happens with shows too. And I've tried to explain this like my parents, um, cause I'm the only person in my family who's into reptiles. Although I'm super excited about this. My 
15 year old cousin texted me the other day that she wants to get into reptiles. That's awesome. I'm so excited. Now she is coming from New Jersey to visit me in November so she could oh, see really? all the animals. And I'm like, yes, like, so fun. I'm going to pull you in. But, um, <laughs> but it's, I think it's, it's hard for like a quote unquote normal person to understand that day-to-day life you have to hold back a lot of who, at least I do. I have to hold back a lot of who I am in regards to my animals and like the hobby and stuff, because it can freak people out. So like, I don't talk about it at work. I don't talk about it with like random people. So to have like two weekends a year, Daytona and Tinley, where like, that's all I get to do. It's like all this buildup. And then afterwards, I literally feel like I was hit by a truck. Yeah, (laughs) definitely. I definitely feel you there. Yeah. And you just, you stay up for like 20 hours and (laughs) I, I pretty much like don't drink and go to bed early all the time normally. And then like shows are like my one exception. I'm like, okay, like I'll, I'll live it up a little bit. And yeah, I'm just super dead. Like I can't handle it. Yeah. Oh, but so worth it. So worth it. Um, and we are kind of reaching the end of our time. So I think this is like a good time to wrap up. And, and then, um, I always ask people if you were to give advice to one young girl looking to get into the hobby, and I guess specifically for you, maybe a young artist, what kind of advice do you have for them? Basically the number one thing that I think is important is not giving up. If you're serious about wanting to be an artist and to develop your art, the number one thing I hear from like, everybody's like, oh, I used to do artwork, but it wasn't that great. And then they stop. And mm-hmm. the only way you're going to get better is by continuing with it. Like everybody, like the most amazing artists you could ever think of, they were at that point at some point, but they kept going with it. And I feel like that is just such a huge thing that stops people is they get hard on themselves. They get frustrated and they quit. And if you just keep working, you will continue to get better. Your standards will get higher. And you need to understand that, but you will continue to get better. And if that's something you're serious in, like totally pursue it. And don't be afraid to ask for help from, from other artists too, to talk to people and uh, not to take what people say too seriously sometimes either. Because some people love to critique when it's not asked for. Mm-hmm. And I know, you know, it may not seem like a big deal to them, but when it's your work that you've put hours and hours into and they're like, oh, you should have fixed this or you should have done that. And you're like, okay. Well, Thank you so much. Yeah. <laughs> Appreciate it. <laughs> <laughs> I'd say that's like probably the number one thing is just the, the mental game and just trying to stick with it. Do you have any tips for people who maybe are, are looking to make the change to follow a passion and do that full time or? or just any tips for like following your dream in that regard? Yeah. Um, I mean, for me, the way it started was doing it after work. You know, I pretty much have turned all of my hobbies into, you know, my, like my career basically with working with animals. That was always a hobby as a kid. And, you know, I've been working with animals for most of my life and I was, I was able to make that happen just by meeting people. Don't be afraid to meet people. Um, and to make connections, to network with folks, and to put yourself out there is, I feel like, one of the biggest things. I, I, if it hadn't been for that one friend that was like, you should make an art page, you know, I don't know how long it would have taken to do this, but that, you know, with a little bit of encouragement, I made it happen, and just kind of kept pushing with it, and everybody starts somewhere, and, you know, it's a lot of work. It's a lot of work to market yourself, but if you're, if you can market yourself and you can talk to people, I feel like there's, there's no way of stopping you. 
That's awesome. Well, I appreciate your time so much. It's always such a pleasure to get to talk with you. Um, if people want to get in touch or commission you for some work, where can they find you? So feel free to check out my website, adelinerobinsonart.com for commission information. And uh, I've got like logo info there as well. Um, I'm actually hoping to add a section uh, probably in the next day or two with all the upcoming shows. Um, so that's, that's kind of my, my homepage, my main base. But I'm on Facebook, I'm on Instagram as well. And um, if you message me through there, just go to business manager. So it's easier to, to stay organized that way. Or email at adelinerobinsonart at gmail.com. Awesome. Well, I'll make sure that all of that is linked in the description of this podcast. But Adeline, it truly has been such a pleasure. I really appreciate it. Um, thanks for spending your Monday evening with me. <laughs> oh, for sure. I, I, I love it. It's so much fun chatting with you. Uh, thank you everyone for listening. Please feel free to check out the podcast on Facebook and Instagram, Modern Medusa Podcast. You can follow me at DeFalco Reptiles on Facebook and Instagram. And if you feel so inclined, please check out the Patreon, trying to give more gifts, do little things for the uh, patrons now that I have a sponsor. So thanks so much. And if you're interested in sponsoring the podcast, reach out and we thank you. Thank you so much for your time. And we'll talk to you next week. Bye. Thanks for listening. 